Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlands podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 173. Uh, yeah, it's, it's late again. We, we do them as often as we can. Yes. At, at least there's heat now. Yes. I think that's how we left it last time. We had just replaced the furnace. And uh, make no mistake, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah, they installed it. It didn't work for another week and a half. It was re- visit after visit from the HVAC guys. And uh, I forget if we had left it with the, uh, the Nest thermostat is a uh, heavy, good-looking piece of equipment that if... It works best if you put it in a sock and <laughs> and use it to apply percussive force to a neighbor's head, because otherwise it's a useless piece of garbage. Four-hour furnace, it turns out. Uh, yes. <laughs> a week and a half, would, it would turn the, the furnace on and not turn it on and sometimes turn it on. And yeah, it turns out. So we finally threw up our hands and said, put the factory one on. After a certain amount of Googling, wherein we determined that, yes, in fact, the Nest will not work with our furnace. Yeah. at which least we not should a, have done first. At least not effectively. <laughs> but it also turns out underneath, they jacked it full of too much Freon. <laughs> and the Nest was too dumb to understand that was happening. So literally within three minutes of putting the new one, it's like, oh, Freon. Yeah, they bled some Freon. And uh, it's been fine. And it's been fine. Then thank God, because we are in the middle of our third New England blizzard mm-hmm. uh, in nine days. Something like that, yeah. If I don't see the sun soon, uh, I'm going to become one of those things from uh, The Strain. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, Christ, I'm drawing a blank. It's, it's been a very weird couple of weeks. <laughs> Corey Stahl? You're going to become Corey Stahl? Uh, sure, why not? Just like, chew scenery he, and shave your head? He seems like he's done well. For him. <laughs> no, not shave my head. I won't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll have him put on the, the Tommy Lee wig. Or whatever. Yikes. I think I have fatigue hysteria. You might. You might. <laughs> Gonna be a good show, kids. <laughs> we're, we're in the midst of, of Blizzard-like uh, features. <laughs> it's not even Blizzard-like. It was a flat-out Blizzard in Boston today. That's true. <laughs> forgot That's to, true. Forgot to start the backup recorder, so of course something's gonna go wrong with the audio. Of course. Uh, I'm out of practice. I'm so out of practice, the computer even almost didn't turn on. That I need the computer to do this show because... I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to try to be witty on my own, and clearly I'm not up to it today. Maybe you could use Linux to program a robot to be our producer. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Amanda's referring to my side project, where... <laughs> well, we got the Nest, and it's like, wow, we could control the house with this. We could start doing smart home shit, and then it didn't work. <laughs> so, of course, instead of saying, wow, that was a terrible idea that I should have no part of, I'm like, you know, I bet I could build my own smart home with blackjack and hooker. Yeah, so I built a Raspberry Pi, and I'm trying desperately to get the thing to communicate with the outside world with a small amount of success. I would like to welcome our new computerized overlords. I've got exactly two outlets that I can control <laughs> with this thing. That's... <laughs> It's the entirety of our robot overlords, for Christ's sake. So far. I already know so exactly. Far. 11 switches we'll need. <laughs> 11 new light switches, and this whole thing can be under our overlord control. Oh, God. <laughs> Trust me. I'm drinking beer. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, weird couple of weeks. But we did find time this weekend. Somehow, the 13 hours to uh, to watch Jessica Jones season two. Yes. Uh, which was notable for being the first Marvel Netflix uh, series where one of us didn't throw up. Mm. Uh, Including the cat. 
Yes. Uh, technically, we didn't during Iron Fist, but God knows I wanted to through most of Iron <laughs> Fist. It was a different kind of nausea. Yeah. So, yeah, this was a kind of a weird one in... What's our, uh, how many others have had season two? It's just Daredevil so far, right? I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, although everybody else is on on deck to have one, even uh, Iron Fist, God help us. Yeah, and you know the Defenders sort of counted as everybody's season two, I guess. I guess. Sort um, of, <laughs> kind of, after fashion. I'm, uh, there have been interviews with um, the girl who plays Jessica Jones, Kristen, Kristen Ritter, Ritter. Uh, where, where she's implied there will not be another season of Defenders. Which sucks because the end of this season of Jessica Jones is prime time to go back to revisit the Defenders, which we'll talk about as it gets yeah. closer, uh, just sort of with the, the themes that are involved in, in this show. Now, we both loved the first season. I think the first season of Jessica Jones has probably been my favorite of all the Marvel Netflix mm. series so far, uh, including Daredevil season one, which kicked ass with Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and part of why I liked it was not just the exploration of the PTSD, and we've got a whole episode on it if you want to dig back through the archives. <laughs> God help you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, talked about the aftermath of being in an abusive relationship, but I really thought it was an examination of what it would really mean to be a Doctor Who companion. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, it's a strange man shows up and promises to take you away from your life, and he'll show you these things you've never dreamed of. It's but... a hostage situation with Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, he also makes you lie to your <laughs> friends, and you have to drop everything when he shows up, and you always have to answer when he calls, and you have to do the things that he wants to do, and he constantly tells you, oh, you're kind of inferior to him, but he likes having you around anyway, and there's this constant implication, oh, your life's not going to be any good once he moves on to somebody else and he always moves on to somebody else yeah and yeah the, the casting of david Tennant i thought was perfectly <laughs> on the nose for it so you've got a few things going on here these serious themes plus sort of the fanboy vibe that i really liked and then we go into season two which was okay it was, <laughs> it was, all right. it was an adequate program that had some pacing issues and again was about three episodes longer than it needed to be. All of them have pacing issues. All of them except Defenders, which I think was eight episodes. I and think that was so. perfect. Because And it really only needed to be five. That yeah, one. probably. Because <laughs> yeah, all of these things, 13 episodes, you wind up bringing these other characters in, you go off on these side plots because you got to fill 13 hours. I mean, Jesus, wasn't Bendis's first run on Alias 26 issues? I think so. Yeah, you don't need 13 hours with Jessica Jones no. at a given time. Even when it's good, you find times where it's... And I blacked out for part of it. So <laughs> if I still think it's probably a little long, they probably should <laughs> flatten that out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so where do you want to start? You want to just kind of go episode by episode? You want to just sort of start from the beginning? What you... uh, I, I, I will follow your lead. You're fo oh, God. I'm... Why would you do that? Because I've got big things about, you know, larger themes in this, but not so much about plot. So, yeah, I, and, and larger themes, uh, nobody, nobody listens to this show for larger themes. <laughs> we can talk about larger themes. No, we're, we're, no the, I'm well, not the right, right the, person. because You're not mild-mannered. You're often liquored up and rude. <laughs> nobody wants Much to, like Jessica Jones. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think, all right, let's just start with a, a quick plot summary then. Jessica Jones... Um, is still working as a private investigator, is still taking whatever gigs she can to get by, and is working out of her apartment. Malcolm from the previous series is still her assistant. 
Uh, she promotes him to associate at some point, which means the world to him because he just wants to show everybody what he can do. Like he's Ray Park and Star Wars. And <laughs> he's very eager. We we went to one panel at Comic-Con <laughs> 2007 in San Diego and Ray Park said, I just want to show what I can do. And we've never forgotten that yeah, the poor guy. He's so eager. Eager and plaintive. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, Trish is still working for the radio station. Uh, and things seem to be going well because she's got a boyfriend that she really likes and, and they're very happy together. He works in cable news, which is the job she covets. Because she's stupid. <laughs> he, he's a, a former, uh, war journalist who used to go off into like Afghanistan and other, you know, scary places and, and report under great duress. Whereas she has a background in shitty pop music and blowing guys for Oxy. We learn a lot about Trish in this in this series. We learn too Not much. Not all of it good. We learn too much about Trish. Far too fucking much. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. What we discover is that Trish, for some reason, decides that Jessica needs to start learning more about her past because it's the only way she's going to move on. And potentially, you know, maybe she'll drink less. That's stupid, Trish, and you're stupid for thinking that. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and maybe it'll close whatever wounds are, are haunting her. And she, be, she, she goes on a, a crusading mission to try to get Jessica involved to learn about her past. All this does is actually wake up the shadowy forces that are involved with Jessica's past and send people out to try to kill Trish. Like she's fucking Princess Peach. Yes, which would have been horrifying at the end of season one of Jessica Jones. By the end of season two, kill her. I'm fine with it. Whatever. She's got it coming. Yeah. So the big thing is that Jessica, when she had her car accident that orphaned her, was put under experimentation by a guy doing off-books genetic experiments. Yeah, Carl something. Carl with a K. Yes. You know, German. They, they rarely do experiments like this. I oh, don't know yeah. where they got this from. but Carl, who has a, a backup vacation planned to Uruguay. <laughs> Paging Dr. Mengele. If he was really Dr. Mengele, it, it would have been Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they all went. In any event, uh, what we do discover that's the big surprise, and I, I have ambivalent feelings about this, is that it turns out Jessica was not actually orphaned her mother sort of survived the, the crash, but had much worse injuries, but was put through a similar genetic experiment ri- uh, ringer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're not talking about your life. No, it sounded I'm not. like it was getting close. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, she never had any toys either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Jessica's mother is completely fucked up by the, these experiments. They give her great ridiculous strength. She's stronger than Jessica. They also drive her kind of mad. <laughs> yes. And and since Jessica has her own demons, so to speak, and, and can be, um, I don't want to say a bad person. No, she can be kind of a bad person. Yes. Um, you get this sort of Grendel and Grendel's mother kind of vibe. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I was. Those are books with no pictures. I was told I wouldn't have to talk Beowulf after I was 14 years old. That's... <laughs> Let's not go crazy. So the, the question becomes, you know, who's worse, Grendel or Grendel's mom? Uh, the answer, Grendel's mom. Yes. 
and and everybody's mom in this show. And yeah, that that's when we talk about overarching themes. It's the relationship one has with family, specifically the relationship between daughters and mothers. But overall, you know. Is, is family just sort of an accident of birth or is it the, the crew that you put around you? Ultimately, it's a little bit of both. It's a, This <laughs> thing is all about different kinds of families yeah. and how every single one of them will fuck, fuck you, you over. over. <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that <laughs> later on. Okay, so that's sort of the overarching plot. Yes. So from there, I feel like it was a an ambitious premise because... After the first season, wherein, yeah, it's this great character study of, of post-traumatic shock and, and how you overcome it. And sometimes your coping me- mechanisms are, are less uh, helpful than they ought to be. Drinking. Where's my whiskey, Connor? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jessica drinks more whiskey than I do. I drink a lot of whiskey. Yes, we found, we've come up with a new term for it. She's, <laughs> Amanda has talked about she likes to have a fist of whiskey because it's five fingers. But it's um, closed. Yes. Uh, so there's more more volume there. Exactly. Now we've determined the new thing is a fist and a shocker because she'll, <laughs> she'll ask for a fist of whiskey and then say, you know, can I just have three more fingers and then just two more fingers before bed? That's the shocker. <laughs> Everybody's learned way too much about my life. <laughs> What, they were drunks? We've been <laughs> screaming that in a microphone since we were in our 20s. Now, if you if you do a light five-finger pour, that's a slap of whiskey. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as a light shocker. So <laughs> a slap and a shocker. That's, that's somehow worse. That's, it's, it's that's a possible title right that one down. <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think iTunes will let us get away with no. a fist and a shocker. But a slap and a shocker, we might squeak by <laughs> the algorithm. Uh, I've taken this show off the rails. You have. It's what so I do. Why don't you take a minute and talk about a theme that's important to you? I got three pages on the theme. So once Get, we go down that rabbit hole, go, we're, we're go, just not going to do, do things. it. I'm writing, I'm writing this down. Um, uh, all right. Uh, before I do that, uh, I, will, I will go with, uh, while I found the first season much more satisfying than this season, I did enjoy this season. And one thing that I really enjoyed is Jessica Jones always works when she's smacking around some mouthy dude bro. And we get a lot of that in the first several episodes of this. And it never fails to fucking make me cackle like a moron. And I don't know why. The turning around the implied violence of these jacked up juice heads shooting their mouths off, it's never not going to be satisfying to see Jessica Jones throw them into a wall. Uh, We get a lot of that. But yeah, you cannot do 13 episodes of somebody just smacking around former college lacrosse players. No. <laughs> there needs to be more than that. But there was plenty of it in this, <laughs> and it never ceases to make me smile. It's true. It's true. And and because Jessica is so good at, at, at slapping around mouthy douche bros, uh, we uncover one of Patsy's, or slash Trish's, several uh, weaknesses and flaws in character. She covets, and uh, she's jealous of Jessica. Because it's not enough that she was a child star. It's not enough that she's got a popular radio show, that she has an apartment in New- that for New York particularly is the size of um, three or four houses. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think her apartment's bigger than our house. Yeah. It's, she doesn't have powers. And because of that, she is Sad Patsy inside. And, and Sad Patsy is uh, concurrent with Addict Patsy. And we learn about uh, 
how she tries to fill the hole and has tr- constantly been trying to fill the hole <laughs> in her soul, mostly with blow, but you know, guys, poor choices, crusades, whatever is of the moment that makes the pain go away a little bit and distracts her. <laughs> yeah, Patsy, she really is as a as a character, I think she's almost destroyed in this season. Clearly yeah. somebody has eyes toward moving her maybe to her own series. I don't know how you do that after this episode. Now, on one hand, And we'll talk about why. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's the the character makes a lot of sense and we kind of realized it about halfway through there's a there's an episode in the middle where you have these 30 something actresses acting like they're 18 years old and in college or yeah that's just never not school. awkward yeah it's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure put a wig on her i i totally believe she's 12 years younger uh, yeah just uh, <laughs> it doesn't work but uh, all right, you go with it, particularly if you have enough fine founders, Centennial IPA. <laughs> Our, this week's not sponsored to the show. <laughs> uh, it, but yet you, you see both of these characters as they're 18 years old and just sort of moving off on their own. And yeah, what, what we sort of realized was Trish as a character was a child star on TV who moves to a minor career in pop music. and Because she, she tries to rebrand herself in the way that lots of other child stars have in equally cringeworthy results. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that doesn't work. So as a last resort, coming off years as just a reckless, drunkard, alcoholic, coke fiend, oxy sucker, she drifts into radio and finds a certain amount of success before completely self-destructing in a completely predictable way. And we realized they gave Trish the full Bonaducci. Yeah. Just, she is yeah, a flat out just failed child star, propped up narcissist by her mother oh, from completely early days, enabled by her mother. Completely self-delusional in, well, I'm special and certain things have always been easy for me, so everything should be easy for me. And if it's not, it's not my fault. I, I should have more than I have. So it's there. I think there definitely is a certain amount of jealousy over Jessica's powers. I think, I think as foster sisters, mm-hmm. adopted sisters, there's a sibling relationship there, and it's part of the overall theme of family will yes. fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just, you're right, the full Bonaducci, the, the really, and spoiler, they, they set her up to be, if you've read the comics at all, uh, Trish Walker is Hellcat. And what? I know. Really? Yeah. Hellcat's terrible. <laughs> I know, just awful. I never read the Defenders in the just 70s. Come on. Anyway. And, in any event, uh, she, she set up. She she gets her powers. We'll we'll get to why and how over the course of this. But really, the only logical and realistic and proper trajectory for Trish should have been, yeah, she blows up her, her radio career. She completely hits rock bottom. And then the next step is not superpowers. It's foxy boxing with Tanya Harding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact we got through 13 episodes and I didn't see your cooch <laughs> drunkenly getting out of a freaking gullwing Lamborghini makes it completely unrealistic. But yeah, that's exactly the course you, she should be on. Yeah. Yeah, she should be punching Tanya Harding with big poofy gloves. Oh yeah, yeah, chocolate wrestling, something. <laughs> Just <laughs> 
wet t-shirt. Doing doing the circuit of legs and eggs at the <laughs> yeah, she's going local. To, going to car shows. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I have a lot of a lot of feelings about Trish in this particular series. <laughs> well, go on. Uh, no, I just I mean, there's so much to talk about, though. There, the whole, you know, starting off with like, I'm really doing this because I'm selfless, Jessica. This isn't about me at all or my needs. It's it's about you, which is just the worst bullshit. Oh, absolutely. To, to justify anybody's choices, you know, Jessica is not in a place where she wants to explore or allow the the bullshit that happened with her family to take up any headspace. <laughs> At least that's what she's trying to do with her life, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, granted, she's not coping with it effectively because she's drinking more and more and more. <laughs> See, I don't agree with that. I like the choice that they made with Jessica that they've made over two seasons plus Defenders that, no, she's just a functioning alcoholic. Because representation matters, <laughs> goddammit. I need to see me on the screen. <laughs> I felt like I was seeing me on the screen a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, felt good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Big old jolly I got from Wonder Woman, but, you know, even this. <laughs> now, somebody could just get Wonder Woman some whiskey. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I mean, you were, you were saying she's not necessarily coping as well as no. Joe Blow thinks she should. Right. I mean, it's not like Trish does a flat-out intervention and that wouldn't help anyway because all she'll do is shut people out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But she's really just demonstrating a lack of empathy for Jessica. And that's part and parcel to that addict behavior. Sure. Very self-centered and... (laughs) Well, it's uh, again, the the sibling relationship, because you and I both have younger Siblings, siblings. yeah. It, that rang the most true to me because you never really emotionally at a gut level really understand your brother or your sister. Mm-hmm. And and I saw a lot of that here. It's uh, it, I have to really stop and think and go deep to not think, you know, oh, my, my brother had potentially pissed away and now he's gotten away with a million things my parents never did and I'm sure they're sending him checks and to hell with him. I'm sure he thinks, oh, Rob was always a good son. He could never do anything wrong. Fuck it. Neither of those is true. That's a gut reaction. Yeah. Well, everybody's the hero of their own story. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I'm the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, you recognize that, though. That's a level of introspection Trish Walker does not have. Uh, yeah, the best moment in it for me was when uh, when Trish went to Jessica and said, I burned my family alive and I like to light things on fire. I didn't even try to do a long setup with that one. I just snuck it in real quick. You know, if only she did light her mom on fire. If only she did. Oh, God. And her, her mother's the worst. We'll get to that. Her mother's the worst. So. But it's I could see between these two characters. Uh, yes, Trish thinks, you know, oh, I'm destined for special things, and yet Jessica has this power, and she's not using it in the appropriate way, because since I'm a good person, I say I want to help people, even though I turn around and completely snake Jessica's plan to find a way to get her mom off the raft by chasing my own uh, ambitions to have powers. Jessica's just wasting her life, and Jessica's thinking, you've got, you're pissing your life away, you've had all this potential, and just leave me the fuck alone, and it's just siblings not quite understanding each other. No, no, very much so. And and one gets the impression that Trish, uh, whose choices led Jessica to have to move out of the apartment she shared with Trish 
end into the arms of a, a shady dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, and begin a life of I'm going to live by. I'm going. I'm going to live my best life by ripping off ATMs because I have the strength to rip the face off them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you don't get busted by the police because there are cameras. <laughs> yeah, the, she kept ripping open the ATM and then forgetting to rip open the camera. She's really not making. Yeah, that that solid was a little choices. bit of a hole in the plot. But you know, m- meanwhile Trish is going on to to do her own things, not realizing that she's completely sent her her foster sister into this absolute downward spiral. Yeah. She, which results ultimately in her having to leave college and then goes further into the arms of Big Whiskey after her boyfriend dies, um, murdered in an alley, and we find out why later. Yeah. <laughs> Always Big Whiskey got their ugly fingerprints all over everything. Yeah. Never trust Big Whiskey. <laughs> so the focus on Trish and and on her her just absolute awfulness <laughs> yeah just terrible was was glaring and i don't know how or if they will ever be able to rehab that character like to the point where i might hate watch an episode of a spinoff with her in it but i'm not sure that would keep me to continue watching it uh, i i agree they really did a number on that character now that character look we've spent 10 or 15 minutes talking about not Jessica Jones. Yeah. Because yeah, that character and how she dealt with things and reacted to things and the choices that she made really affected the overall plot and Jessica's arc through this. But in order to do that, yeah, they really had to kind of make her reprehensible. And when it's all said and done after everything that she did and she did a lot, yeah, she gets her powers. Yeah. I'm not sure, yeah, I want to spend any more time with this yeah. awful jackass. <laughs> yeah, it's we, we've talked about this in relationship to some of the comic books that we've we've discussed over the last several months. When somebody does something so awful and so irredeemable and then is only rewarded in the end and doesn't have any kind of comeuppance, it is highly unsatisfying as a story arc. Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we can say that Trish demonstrates the same self-centered, narcissistic personality that her mother does, and now we know where she gets it. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, another case of toxic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mom clearly has ambitions for herself that she has imprinted upon Trish, and in her mind, she is the often all-suffering Oh, all the things I do for your career and for you, career and you being intertwined irrevocably. And the just, oh, I'm constantly suffering, but don't worry, I'm here for you. And the I'm here for you is, of course, I'll talk to the press and spin shit for you. Yeah. Which winds up putting her in the crosshairs of a fucking psychopath. Yes. Uh, Of course, I'll do all these things for you. In the meantime, saying, I'm Trish Walker's mother. Pour me a real goddamn drink. (laughs) She had a double fist. And a shocker. (laughs) (laughs) Explains the rumors about her. (laughs) Hot dog into a garage. Anyway. uh, And it fits perfectly with, oh, my daughter can do no wrong because I see myself in her. And wasn't it in season one they adopted Jessica because, hey, good press. Yeah. And look, I brought you in. I'm feeding you, you ungrateful shit. Even though you're falling apart in front of my face, I don't care. You're you're not uh, going to be on TV. Which, uh, by extension, means I won't be on TV. But with if I pay attention to this the, other one, yeah. 
So yeah, it's again just family fucking you up and being toxic. It's <laughs> eventually I'll get to all of them, but there's yeah. there's all kinds of different types of family units here, and they're all unsatisfying and filled with betrayal and hurt. It's almost like the overall theme is, you know, the best thing you can do is just sit in your office and drink whiskey. <laughs> so I, the safest course of action. So I should like this season better than the first one. <laughs> and yet it doesn't quite work out that way. No. And, and that's in part because, I, again, when you have 13 hours of television to fill and you spend so much time trying to cover the whole ensemble cast, the work that you could have done say, exploring the relationship between Jessica and her mother and the things that Jessica discovers are inherent personality traits <laughs> that she shares with her mother uh, that have only been amplified because of the experimentation. Right. Uh, the, the things that Jessica discovers are her mother's version of reality about her family life and the relationship with her father in the the moments leading up to that fatal car accident. Yeah, the the only oh, this is a beautiful family like you would see on TV is in Jessica's memory. Yeah. And yeah, as soon as she finds the real thing, it's like, oh no, dad was a limp dick dildo and Junior was acting out. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I I got drunk on chick wine all the time and probably wasn't all that good myself. Because, yeah, there's a lot in, uh, what's her name, Alisa, Anissa? Uh, Alyssa. Alyssa, uh, uh, Jessica's mother's personality. Yeah, okay, I see Jessica was not uh, hatched uh, from the forehead of Zeus. No. <laughs> she, there's a certain amount of learned behavior here, even though uh, yeah. Jessica's mom is psychotic and brain damaged. There's nature versus nurture, but then there's also just what's coded in you. <laughs> there's a certain amount of that. For example, I knew that whiskey was my drink. <laughs> 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 yeah, but at the same, nobody else in my family really drinks. My dad has a glass of scotch at night. Mm -hmm. My mom has a glass of wine. Whereas I am a reckless alcoholic. I still remember the first time I had scotch. I had I had, had um, <laughs> go on. I had had bad experiences in college with um, things that were in the whiskey family. Although I had southern not, comfort. Yeah, it's always southern. Comfort. It was, and I <laughs> one night I drank about a third of a bottle, just sitting there, not paying attention to what I was doing, of southern comfort, and I threw up. I threw up for the next eight hours into a shitty dorm toilet. <laughs> I, I, As opposed to the awesome dorm toilets we're all used to. Oh no, to. I'm just saying it, it was possibly the the worst toilet in Maine. <laughs> just just putting right. that out there. Uh, so that put me off of brown liquor for some time. And it's a bold statement to call Southern Comfort brown liquor. Look ahead. brown with reddish hues. I think there might have been uh, red dye number five in it. I don't know how they make it. Uh, no, I think you were hemorrhaging, but go ahead. <laughs> so after college, I was I was in a bar one night, and I was asked what I wanted to drink, and I they had Glenfiddich, which is a single malt uh, whiskey, on the menu. I said, I said, I'll try that. How do you want it? Uh straight because <laughs> like, uh, my dad would have uh, shitty like serums in the house and occasionally would have Glenfiddich in the house that was like that was like hey big spender <laughs> whiskey um, yeah. and I tried it and you just know like you know when you have your drink <laughs> that's right and six hours later let's start it let's start it yeah, so that's how I discovered whiskey was my drink, just like it's my dad's. 
<laughs> He's dead now. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay. I'm in, everybody. <laughs> ah, that was far longer than I actually intended that to be. You almost ran out of Hulk theme. You've only ever done that once. <laughs> so, in any I of- like to get fucked up on Bud. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the reason I bring that story up is one of the stories Jessica's mother regales her with is apparently the first time they left Jessica to babysit her her little brother, she got into mom's shitty wine. <laughs> I forgot about that, <laughs> and then also spent the evening hugging the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That might have been why I was blacked out. It might have. Been. We watched a lot of these on Saturday, yeah. which became a long day. It really was. It was. <laughs> so uh, yeah, all right. There's a certain amount of nature and nurture in how Jessica became the way that she did. Yes. I just wish that they would have spent a little little bit more time on that dynamic rather than all of the time that was wasted on Trish. That being said, they probably could have done less, although I I found this storyline more compelling, the the Jerry Hogarth storyline wherein she's discovered she's got early stage ALS and is figuring, well, I've got money. I've got all the money. How can I not have this cured? I have all the money. See, I, that's not what I took from from Jerry's story, and I want to get to well, yeah. Jerry's story. But sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but what starts off as that turns into the family she tries to build around herself as sort of a refuge from what she's going through, and how that also fucks her over. Yeah, she tries to create a couple different families, and both are poor choices. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I've been talking a lot. What do you want to jump in and... Well, I mean, it, all right. We can start to explore some of the familial things. You were talking about Jessica and her mother. And what I took from that was less... I really didn't take a lot of the nature versus nurture, although clearly we both picked up on it and you did clearly more than I did and spent more time thinking about it. Well, I also found that whole that their whole situation highly triggering <laughs> because they, my uh, my parents got a divorce and had a you don't have no okay. stop that <laughs> okay <laughs> my parents got a divorce and so every time Jessica's mother would go off on some rant about how limp dick her father was it, the worst thing you can do if you have a shitty marriage is to trash talk the other parent in front of your kid it's highly painful to the kid because even if they kind of agree with you. They still love that other parent, generally. And they don't need that noise. No. (laughs) Especially Jessica, who has been trying to reconcile to the best she can her her feelings about the car accident and and give it what closure she can. (laughs) Yeah, considering she thinks she caused it. Yeah. So to have mom come back into the picture and be like... No, it's it's your awful father, and he's he's a shitty driver. He caused the accident, and meanwhile, and also let's talk about how he's ruined my life. He ruined my life because I I am an awesome mathematics professor, and I could have been somebody. <laughs> I could have been somebody, but he didn't want to move. Yeah, that's right. That guy was a jackass. And so I had to stay in fucking Podunk, New York, and and you know work at this shitty junior college, and and my what about my dreams? My dreams. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. Yeah, okay. So that's what it's like living with like divorced parents because it's it, it turns into a rant like that that sucks the joy out of everything. Because they'll just get wound up about the other one and go off. Uh, see, my, my parents uh, have not divorced, so I don't have that. <laughs> I've, believe me, I've, I've heard enough from you and nearly every one of my friends. Uh, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'm the only one of my remaining high school and college friends who isn't divorced because 
we've never gotten <laughs> married, so everything works. Yeah. We have a strange relationship, but it works for us, goddammit. I mean, yes, there are some divorced parents out there that are doing it right and, and continuing to co-parent properly and, and don't trash talk each other, but for those of us who lived through the other version, you'll recognize a lot of it in, in the relationship that forms between Jessica and her mother. <laughs> yeah, but see, even that, I didn't take it as... Being a divorce pet, what I saw that relationship between Jessica and her mother was an attempt to be like an adopted child and a biological parent coming from out of nowhere Mm. uh, to reach out. And and they had to really gin up that feeling by giving Jessica's mother a new face that she wouldn't recognize. And yeah, sure, brain damage and a homicidal streak, you can drive a bus across, (laughs) but... But it gives it the same effect. Some woman whose face you've never seen comes out of the woodwork claiming to know you and with ulterior motives and shady motivations. Sure. And you don't necessarily know what she really wants from you. I can see that too. Although the mom made some some comments also about even when she was a kid, they weren't that close. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and certainly it does work on the level that you're talking about with you know talking with a parent after divorce, maybe after you're grown up. That that didn't leap to my mind because yeah, that's not a frame of reference that I personally have. This felt more to me. This woman crawls out of the woodwork, you know, who says she loves me, but I don't know her, and she wants something from me, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe she really wants to get to know me, but it feels weird, and she keeps asking for stuff from me that doesn't. <laughs> You know, for most people, it would be yeah. Can I have twenty bucks for the bus? <laughs> with with Alyssa, it's can you help me escape from the police? <laughs> Roughly equivalent. Sure, sure. <laughs> I've I've never been caught for a crime. Twenty dollars wouldn't get me out of. So we'll assume that caught. Never been caught. Anyway, um, <laughs> look, Kristen Ritter plays that well. Going from I don't know you, I don't trust you to all right, I will try to help you, and I'll try to help you in the logical way, which is, okay, you're a danger to people, so I'm going to have you brought into custody without being killed. Yeah. To, okay, I will, you know, ultimately going hook, line, and sinker, which I'm sure some children in this kind of situation where a parent comes back and that feeling of, oh, you didn't abandon me, it's, you, you... It's... I was seeing that as, all right, so now that there's no other family left, and this is not the choice I wanted to make, I wanted somebody else to help you know, share this sort of burden of, of dealing with you in your older age, but I don't have that option. Fine, we'll go to Canada. That's, that's the... <laughs> we'll look at the rabbits. Yeah. Look I, at the rabbits. I wanted somebody else to help with putting you in the home, but fine, we'll go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, Trish being a fucking bitch even takes that away from her. Yeah. So, because what ends up happening is is that Trish, seeing how all of this plays out, decides that, oh, Jessica, your, your mother is an awful monster. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she's not fit to be around others. And, and she's only a danger and a menace to you and society. So, you know, you got to... You got to make sure that she she goes away because we have to keep everybody safe. Translation, you have to keep me safe because she unleashed <laughs> yeah. and came out of the woodwork specifically because Trish had started poking around. She was, in addition to the number of other things she's had issues with addiction around, adulation is always the greatest one for her. And so as 
New York City has had all of these heroes come out of the woodwork. She has seen an increase in her ratings because she's talked about powers and talked about being in proximity to powers. And she wants more of that adulation and she wants to be taken more seriously as a journalist in that area rather than what she had been doing previously, which was like lifestyle fluff shit, which is really all she should have been doing given her background. Yeah. (laughs) She didn't have shock jock in her. Yeah. Frippery is probably about her speed. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, Tell me about the VMAs. You know, like, <laughs> don't anybody tell me about the VMAs. You know, tell tell me about your latest thoughts on the band formerly known as One Direction. Actually, don't. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> uh, so she decides she's going to be a real journalist at the encouragement of her then boyfriend, and 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 follow that story. Now, to be fair, this is the Marvel Netflix universe where a legal secretary can become lead crime reporter at the Daily Bugle. True. <laughs> this is true. Karen is clearly more competent than she is, <laughs> despite being possibly equally as broken. <laughs> at least so far. So yeah. So because she goes and pokes around, the people at um, IGH, which is the, the bioengineering group that did the illegal experiments, gets wind of this, and Grendel's mom, Alyssa... <laughs> Uh, finds ways to break out. Fountains of Wayne's worst song, by the way, Grendel's mom. (laughs) I'm sorry. She's got it going on. (laughs) Yeah, the psycho. Anyway. Um, Found a way to literally tunnel out of the basement steel solidified uh, hole that her lover slash doctor keeps her in at night (laughs) (laughs) to go out and kill everyone around Trish on her mission to get to Trish, causing Nuke, of all people, to come back from the dead, seemingly, all hopped up on some substance or another. Again, illegal. Untraceable. Yeah, it's it amounts to <laughs> mutant growth hormone. Yeah. They can't do that because of the Fox thing, but it's mutant yeah. growth hormone. And, and puts himself out there to protect Trish, because fucking Princess Patsy needs to be protected. <laughs> Princess Patsy. Even Mario wouldn't save her. I know. And uh, Nuke dies. So here's, here's you know, another piece of carnage in Trish's fucking wake. Yeah. And, oh, on top of that, now Trish has access to all of the stuff Nuke had. All of his guns and whatever this fucking substance is, which is just an enhancer. It's not addictive. I can, I can stop anytime I want. Yeah, and she knocks poor Malcolm off the wagon with this shit. Yeah. They're purely for, oh no, if you're also a former addict, so if you're doing it, that means it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason But he at knows all. immediately that it's bad. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> immediately horrified, and he's like, I've fallen off the wagon, and it runs a three-minute mile, because enhancers. Yeah. But... <laughs> then he, he gets it out of his system for a while, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Malcolm. Malcolm's his own form of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so where was I going with all of this? Oh, so yeah, Um, Trish has made this decision, you know, once she gets all the pieces together that uh, Alyssa is bad news and needs to be taken out and and Jessica won't be able to do it because she has this familial bond bond with her and and won't be able to make the right decision because whatever she thinks is the right decision is clearly the right decision. Oh, yeah. And And there's no room for any discussion or long long view big picture and it's it's purely based on altruism and not to take out somebody who's trying to kill her yeah or 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 steal Jessica's focus from their relationship because yeah. this is somebody who is an interloper in their thing 
Yeah, because if I don't have you, the only person I have to talk to is my mother. My mother. <laughs> and and so she, from her hospital bed, after she has recovered from grievous injuries that she's more or less inflicted upon herself because she decides that you know maybe I should kidnap Carl and have him do his genetic experiments on me so I can have powers because it's all about me. <laughs> I need powers so I can be altruistic, goddammit. <laughs> Don't you know I'm just trying to save the world? It's not a problem. Help me, Dr. Mengele. You're my only hope. <laughs> Goes to Westchester. Significant. And well, the fox sale is going through apparently. Yeah, and uh, kills Jessica's mom while they're having a moment together, reliving a childhood thing that, for Jessica, you know, was one of the few things that she had in common with her mom at the time because they talk about how they weren't close. And I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, but they both uh, loved riding on giant Ferris wheels together because they. They like to. They weren't afraid of heights, and they like to be able to look down and, and get that sort of sense of free fall. And so they're in the the Ferris wheel because they've broken into Playland, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> of course, uh, it's like the end. You said it's like it's like the end of Zombie Land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except Zombie Land was more awesome. Anyway, yeah. Um, and and so Trish, Dead Eye Trish, uh, takes Dead one of Trish <laughs> <laughs> takes one of uh, Nuke's guns and shoots Alyssa in the back of the head from the ground and, and destroys this beautiful moment that Jessica and Alyssa are having. Yeah. When to, to be fair, not to Trish, she's awful, but to be fair, it's there, there had been a moment between Alyssa and Jessica where Jessica had been given room to believe that Alyssa really did want to change and really did want to be better and do right. And this is all after a lot of Alyssa, oh, I'm just going to kill somebody if you don't come with me, and yeah. emotional manipulation. And You're the only one that can lullaby me. Yeah, but it's there was a potential kernel of, okay, maybe she can be saved. Maybe there can be a relationship here. And unlike in the real world where an adoptive parent comes back and after the $1,550 loan that leaves a hypodermic needle on the couch and you got to throw them out. You don't have that closure. No. Jessica doesn't get that. Just, you know, is there something? Isn't there something? Boom, she's dead. And so Trish was very lucky to leave that scene with her life. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't lucky for her to leave with her life. No. And at the end of the series, comes back to Jessica's apartment. I, I was texting and calling you for days and you haven't returned my call. Duh, you killed her fucking mother. <laughs> they got my dick message. What in the fuck? What in the absolute fuck? Because yeah. oh, <laughs> you know she went home and whined to her mom about it. And she's like, oh, baby, you did the right thing. It's okay. Here, have some popcorn. Yeah. Thanks for moving back into your basement. Like, <laughs> what can mommy get you? Can I can I nuke you some rice Like, Because <laughs> you know she didn't cook. Trish Walker doesn't live in a basement. <laughs> she lives in her perfect big bedroom she had when that's, she was that's six. right mom was going to prepare her bedroom once yeah. they got out of the hospital yeah because she can't afford her apartment anymore because she nuked her job yeah <laughs> and, and the worst part about all of this is she does all of this shit and <laughs> she does she gets her powers yeah so she's she's all broken up because jessica rightly says fuck off and die well not in that many words um trish gets teary uh, Jessica slams a door in, the, in her face and she, Teary walking down the hall toward the elevator gets a call from mommy oh this is awful my friend doesn't like me anymore and then has this whoops moment where she nearly drops the phone and then balances it delicately in a catch with her foot thus implying these cat-like powers of 
yeah. Hell cat. It's and then is everything's all better. Like oh, like <laughs> if that's not fucking addict behavior and just fucking sociopathy and narcissism. Oh, totally. It's it, <laughs> she does all this stuff to be like Jessica because she wants to help people, even though Jessica. The last thing she wants is to be a vigilante superhero. Yeah. We see that repeatedly in the first few episodes. Anytime somebody says that, she keys off. It's, I am not a superhero. So Trish gets her powers. And what does she do with them? She saves the screen on her iPhone 8. Oh. Clearly, we have a future Avenger in the house. <laughs> Trish, Trish, among the reasons that you're inadequate, you don't have an iPhone X. <laughs> yeah, the most sympathetic Trish appears anywhere in this series is when she's about to blow some rando for Oxy. <laughs> and even then, I'm like, you're famous. He'd settle for a hando. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, she's just an awful character. Just awful. Just awful. Selfish and ruins, ruins the world. She's a ruiner. She ruins things. It's not the actress's fault. She played it straight the whole way through and sold. I want to do good. You have to really pay attention to what she's actually doing. She's just awful. Awful. Just awful. Yeah. Look, why is there such an effort to make Hellcat a thing? (laughs) Hellcat isn't a thing. Hellcat was (laughs) rank filler in Steve Gerber's Defenders in 1978. I would be more inclined to watch some sort of, it, w- it wouldn't even be a spinoff, a series about Squirrel Girl than well, I would about Hellcat. Squirrel Girl's got some juice now. I know. Hellcat's that's... never had juice. <laughs> Hellcat is the Tigra of the Defenders, and that's not a good thing Oof, to be. Because <laughs> Tigra gets spun off to like the West Coast Avengers. Uh, yeah. And, and it like, and... hooks up with Hank Pym for a while. Well, they're both furry. and Hank Pym? No, Hank Pym's just a dick. Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking <laughs> Hank McCoy. Sorry. No, no, no. Hank McCoy hooks up with Dazzler. <laughs> you and fucking Dazzler. They should have just, uh, yeah, they should have made a Dazzler instead of, <laughs> instead of Patsy Walker. <laughs> and so, yeah, all right. I, I guess Hellcat is the Tigra of the Defenders, but then again, eventually Tigra is the Tigra <laughs> of the second rate Avengers. Yeah. It's. I don't understand why they want to make it a thing. But I, I don't know. And also, I get very tired after a certain point of storylines that turn into, and you've got powers, and you've got powers. Then powers start to not be special. Well, it's that's that's what all of these. <laughs> that's what all these shows eventually become. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, look at powers. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very so, true. So yeah, Trish Walker, worst person in the world. Yes. <laughs> all right. Do you want to talk about Jerry? Let's talk about Jerry. Because it's the next thing in my notes. Jerry is my second favorite character in this show after Jessica. Please explain. Jerry, you, you know going into it, she she's transparent about who she is. She's an asshole. <laughs> Except she's not totally transparent because the minute she gets bad news, she's looking for somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she And she she is unabashedly a user to the nth degree. Like if yep. if she thinks you have something that is going to benefit her, she is shameless about exploiting it. Be it Jessica's powers, um, which are secondary to her ability as a PI, <laughs> although she demonstrates much stronger PI skills in this series, I think than in first season. I'd have to go back and revisit it, but yeah, I can't think of any particular moments in the first season where it was like, wow, 
detective. Or they may have gone out of their way to highlight more of them because Malcolm was trying to learn from her, so they had to have things that seemed to be clearly teachable moments. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. In any event, um, so so Jerry gets uh, the diagnosis of the ALS. She discovers, um, confirms that her partner's have been spying on her and f- and find f- have found out uh, her her law firm partners because yes. there's other partners in her life. Oh, oh yes. In short orders. <laughs> um and so they put her on notice because they've been looking for an excuse to kick her out of the firm. She's a named partner, so that's apparently very hard to do. Um yeah. Because she brought down bad publicity from um her her activities in the previous season <laughs> because that led to the murder of her wife. <laughs> my, my my experience with white shoe law firms is uh, minimal mm. because they rarely indict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not caught. <laughs> anyway, so she's dealing with that particular battle. She, so she wants to exploit the, the services of, of Jessica to get dirt on her partners that maybe she can leverage this situation. And Jessica is busy with her mother and all of that crap. So Malcolm takes up the, the flag on this and, and goes out there and digs up some dirt. <laughs> Finds out that one of them is involved with money laundering for a drug lord and the other one is gay. And not out to his family. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, is married. <laughs> and as Jerry puts it, and as Malcolm puts it when, when he discovers it to, to the guy, um, I don't care, but you should really tell the truth about yourself because it's just more painful to live in the closet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, be true to yourself. <laughs> so Jerry is more than happy to get this information from Malcolm, but will not hire her for her new burgeoning law firm, Hire him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hire him. Yes. We'll pay him for his services, but is just like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, come back and see me someday when you have a, an actual license to be a PI. Maybe we'll talk. That might help. Yeah. <laughs> but also, when she's asked to take in what seems to be a witness for Jessica's case in terms of somebody who can speak about IGH because they had been a, a nurse there, yep. uh, reluctantly does so, but then when she realizes that this person can put her in touch with somebody who is supposedly another experiment from IGH who has healing powers. Maybe it's all good. Maybe I'm not going to kick this person out of my, my life. Maybe I'm going to have them continue to stay here and and maybe I will sex them up a little bit because I have needs. And, uh, (laughs) Oh, she has needs. And, and, you know, maybe that way I can get this guy into my life and he can heal me. Yeah, but with her, the the need to bring people in starts before that. Her little drug-fueled harem. Oh, yeah. It's, again, whatever it is that you can do that is a coping strategy to numb the pain and make you not think about the bad shit that's happening for a while, Jerry does just as much of as Jessica. Yeah, but it, it comes down to, I need people around me. It's... Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. her, 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 and it, it's it was less about the cocaine, although she enjoyed it, and more about if I bury myself in Poon, then I don't have to think about this for a while. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what? It was no accident that when Chang showed up, and that was the precipitating moment for her to get rid of the the little harem of hookers she yes. put together. <laughs> Wasn't an accident that that all the hookers were sitting around a table talking about their actual families. Yes, and that. Very clearly, as soon as Jerry said, "Okay, get out," that it was they just left. It was, yeah, you know, okay, they 
she's trying to build a pseudo family here, but no, you're not their family. You're not even their friend. They have their own little, we've built a weird street corner family between us since we're all working together and okay, we're leaving. Well, and it, it, it also foreshadowed what, what ultimately does come up later. So she, in her, her drug fueled, whatever, you know, more or less passes out and lets these women just sit in the house and, you know, all they do is drink some expensive booze, but, you know, they could just as easily be rifling through her shit. Yeah. And they aren't. Um, later on, with this other woman that she takes in for Jessica, who turns out to be a complete grifter, and the the boyfriend, who is the alleged healer, is not an actual healer, and pulls some Andy Kaufman fucking, let me <laughs> pull things out of you that are your disease, but uh, it's, it's really chicken liver. <laughs> that's more Penn and Teller than Andy Kaufman, but I, I get the reference. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's what uh, Andy Kaufman went and saw one of those charlatans who supposedly does the laying on of hands and, oh okay and, you know somehow magically surgi- surgically removes the cancer yeah it's been a long time since i saw man in the <laughs> uh, and uh, it's uh, not on my netflix queue right now, yeah yeah so. um in any event they rip jerry off she comes home and her palatial apartment has been completely tossed and everything of value that she has is gone and she goes on an absolute mission out of pride to track shit down. And she does. She doesn't even hire Jessica or anybody. It's, this is personal for me. I'm not letting anybody in on this particular embarrassment to me, yeah. which was caused because I very rarely let people in, but I did because I was in pain. And, and so this trespass cannot go unaddressed. Finds all of the shit, tracks down... Um, the the woman and the man's address and then does some absolute beautiful fucking head fuckery <laughs> on the girl to convince her that when her boyfriend was in prison he was getting letters and money and other resources from all the other women he was courting on the side and and just completely fucks her up and and drives her nuts with jealousy and then hands over a gun with the serial numbers like taken off. And it's just like, I just want you to be safe. I just want you to be safe. And creates this beautiful fire and forget missile. It just, the, the poetry of her putting this in motion because she's so pissed off at the affront to her dignity and, and just a breach of her trust that she so very rarely gives up. Yeah. And, and I mean, foggy reached out to her earlier in the, the series and she wanted nothing to do with him and he is a trusted known entity. <laughs> yeah, it was in its own way Jerry's arc in this sort of mirrored what could be the overall theme of of the show uh, of this season anyway where yeah, everybody and their familial ties ultimately let them down and betray them yep. and make them miserable and the one time she tries to have those, it goes wrong on her, and then she just ruthlessly turns back to who yeah. she was. And by God, that's as close to legitimate hope and control as she's got. She had the you know, the the obvious starry eyed hope of oh, this guy from jail can heal. Yeah. Uh, and once that went, and she became true to herself. She got her revenge. She retrieved her belongings. She was able to use Malcolm's information to screw her partners over, and she is on her own, and it might kill her, 
but by God, she was true to herself and wound up on top of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she sends that woman off with that gun and, and the, the concern. And, oh, I just want you to be safe. And it, it's like the girl's in the house for like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden there's a shot that rings out. And Jerry, without missing a beat, just picks up the phone and is like, 911, I'd like to report a gunshot. Yeah. It's, it's she, like, fuck both of you. <laughs> she is truly what Jessica at least pretends to be. I don't need anyone. I don't want anyone around. And when Jerry softens on that, she loses everything. Whereas Jessica says that, but has traditionally relied on Trish. No matter what she says to Malcolm, relies on him. Mm -hmm. Jessica winds up where Jerry intentionally goes when she's betrayed, yet Jerry seems completely fulfilled with it. And Jessica has exactly one person in her life. Even then, it's like, okay, I've got this one person. Yeah. <laughs> Even though everybody around her has let her down, she's still reaching out to, okay, uh, this one person gives me hope that I can be around people. But she's also developed a certain amount of introspection in, insofar as because I have been an island unto myself, or at least tried to be, I don't even know where to begin when I try to have relationships with others. Maybe I should learn to have relationships with others. So I'm going to reach out to the, the one person I have left in my life. <laughs> Which is just that poor guy. What was his name? Oscar. The, Oscar. Oscar the Super. Yes. His character arc was the worst because it didn't make any fucking sense at all. It was it was it was uh super ex machina. They 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 fired the old super and they brought in this other guy. <laughs> yeah, it was five episodes, I'm a dildo and I hate you, and then an episode of Pork Me You Lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're in love. And well, and even, even his entrance into this whole arc was he was brought in as the super for this building in return for providing false papers for a Asian boyfriend in Cambodia or something for the guy who owns the building so he could get into the country. Right. And I'm sure that was a grift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just screamed <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's the whole predictable, like, oh, you have powers, therefore I must hate you because I am bigoted against people who have powers. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. It's purely because Marvel can't have mutants right now. It's okay, fine. I hate people with powers, you know, even though everyone loves Captain America. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm just doing this to keep my kid safe. He's got a kid. <laughs> of course he has a kid. <laughs> and you know, everything turns around when Jessica saves the kid from falling out a window after he does something stupid. Yeah. Like, and so we've got Oscar's real family, yeah, an ex-wife who's half insane and pisses all her money away and tries to kidnap the kid. Yeah. Another family unit that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> tries to leave the country with the kid. Yeah. On a bus. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most sufficient way to travel. It's a bus to Peru. I'm leaving on a Greyhound. Oh, what God. smells like Pete? <laughs> It's the most public singing I've done in 15 years. We're done. That's the end of it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, she only has him left. That's the only bridge she hasn't burned. And I will guarantee you by the time we start the next series, he will have moved on. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not going to be able to deal with it. Look, no. ultimately, Jessica Jones needs to wind up with Luke Cage. Yes. We didn't see any Luke Cage in this. I think that nope. was, in its own way, impressive because God knows they brought back Kilgrave. Yeah, and now, now let's talk about that. Yes. Kilgrave is supposed to be symptomatic of her increasingly uh, getting worse PTSD 
because while she's dealing with all of this in terms of trying to track down her mother and the the fact that um what's the name of the rival pi again um Chang. Chang is trying to horn in on, on her territory. If he can't buy her out, then he'll sue her into oblivion because he fairly easily triggered her into beating him up and now he has cause. Like, <laughs> yeah, and if that doesn't work, he'll shoot her from across the street. No, he found out about uh, her mom and so they tracked tracked them back to her apartment. And this was after her mom had gone on a rampage that resulted in dead cops. And so he was really doing this on behalf of the families of the dead cops. Fucking Magnum P.I. didn't shoot as many people as this fucking dick. Yeah, and, and they take him out fairly effectively. And, and, then and his just, name was Magnum! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> duct tape him and leave him in a bathtub <laughs> until he pees <laughs> a little, little mother daughter bonding like I, some <laughs> might go shopping they duct tape a dude and and trank him up and leave him where he could potentially vomit on his own vomit or choke <laughs> on his own vomit um <laughs> oh, don't worry they duct tape his mouth shut so it wouldn't get over everything anyway yeah it's true he just yeah. <laughs> so she's got all of these different things going on and happening and she's trying to manage Trish and and so she's not sleeping. And and so she's got this semi-psychosis that's happening to her because she's not sleeping and she begins to hallucinate Kilgrave. And Kilgrave narrates all of the bad shit that is part of what one brain thinks she ought to ought to be doing well i'm a monster i've killed one person who's to say i won't kill another person you should kill another person yeah i'm proud of you for killing another person good on you <laughs> i'm a nasty piece of work ask anybody not quite the right accent but no, close enough but for yeah, close War. enough and it was kind of fun to see to see david Tennant again inhabit the role he he did an excellent job with it i I was not all of that familiar with him before he was on Doctor Who. I, I My understanding is he played Hamlet and that got some acclaim in England, um, which is what sort of got him out there. We're in America. I know. We, we don't pay attention to So England I've seen him in like Doctor the Who. Fright Night reboot <laughs> where he was really good. Um, I've seen him in Doctor Who. Uh, I, I watched Broadchurch slash Grace Point, depending on uh, where you are when you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I watched season two, and I, that was that was solid. Season two of uh, Broadchurch is the English one. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't think I've seen that one yet. Uh, we'll we'll fire it up. Okay, and um, and he's going to be, and this is what I'm looking forward to the most. He's going to be playing um, a demon in a miniseries adaptation of a Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett book called Good Omens. <laughs> what? When Amanda and I first got together, the first <laughs> gift she gave me was that book. And that was very much a litmus test. If I had said, this sucks. Yeah, you would have been done. Yeah. I, that would have been it. <laughs> I'd be talking, I'd just be alone talking into this mic room, into this microphone about red pill nonsense because nobody would date me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to be playing a character called Crowley and it, it's going to be glorious. If you haven't read, and this is a tangent, but if you haven't read Good Omens, get out to a frigging bookstore or fire up your Kindle or Nook or device and download it now. This is a comics podcast. It's now, safe to say somebody listening here probably has read a Neil Gaiman book. Well, this one specifically, if they haven't read it, you need to go read it. Yeah, agreed. Because, hey, look, uh, I haven't read uh, nearly as much of uh, Gaiman's prose as I should have because, God damn it, I'm holding out until the end of Miracle Man, Silver Age, and Dark Age. Yeah, it's it's the premise of the book is, you know, what would happen if, you, if you've seen The Omen <laughs> and Damien and all of that, yeah. it, it, what would happen if the Antichrist got placed with the wrong family, if there was a mix-up at the hospital and, and he ended up going home with just normal suburban parents? 
I'll tell you what would happen. $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's not even remotely what no, happens. No, it's not. And I want to reread it. It's been a while since I read it. Yes. But I got to finish American Gods, God. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's get back to the actual um, series that we're supposed to be talking what about. What series? What were we talking about? Uh, I think it's called Jessica Jones. Bullshit! We went down a rabbit hole about David Tennant, my fault. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it was good to see him again, but it really sort of felt like, uh, oh, everybody loved him, so we have to bring him back. It didn't have anywhere near the impact of seeing Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, the kingpin mm. halfway through uh, Daredevil season two. Yeah. Even though it was a surprise uh, in the same way uh, seeing Tenant, uh, seeing D'Onofrio was a surprise, mm. it didn't have anywhere near the impact. It was good to see him again, but his story's kind of over. He's dead. Yeah. But it's it's shorthand for am I finally losing my grip on things? Because one of the concerns about the side effects of this genetic experimentation is clearly her mom has gone fucking batshit. And by this point, Jessica's killed two people. Yeah. Uh, one it, by accident in self-defense. Yes. Even though she broke into the... To be fair, he was a psychopath who was killing inmates. Yes. But still, broke in and yeah. uh, killed him stone dead. Yes. Um, and Kilgrave in the previous series. And um, probably tons of members of the Hand, now that I think about it, in Defenders. <laughs> it's okay to kill ninjas. They're not even people. <laughs> They're not even people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I completely lost my train of thought. Well, Say so, something quick. Uh, oh, so what I was saying is, you know, so when Kilgrave shows up and, and she questions her own mind, it's, you know... That, that fear that you have, am I finally becoming my mother? <laughs> is this it? Like, it is today the day? <laughs> and so I, I think it was a little bit more significant for me. <laughs> yeah. As a dude, the whole mothers and daughters you know, at the core of a lot of this uh, sort of washed over me. Yeah. So is this it? Is today the day? <laughs> Go out, I want to buy those jeans that don't sit where I think they ought to sit. <laughs> But I'll wear them anyway, because... We promised these scumbags a show. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. It was completely off point, because I'm on my third founder, Centennial IPA, everybody. Mm. 7.2% alcohol. Oh, God. Great to drink early in the afternoon <laughs> on a weekday. <laughs> Anywho. Um, the best moment, I think, was at the end. Of, this is purely just a fanboy. That, that was awesome. Remember this awesome thing? It was awesome. <laughs> at the end of the first episode, where the... Uh, the client, the owner of the pizza place, yes. said, I want you to kill my boyfriend. You're a vigilante superhero. And Jessica says, if I was a vigilante, I w <laughs> if I was a superhero, I'd take you to the police for trying for to- For soliciting murder. For soliciting murder. And if I was a vigilante, I'd beat you to death. Which one do you want me to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair question. That's right. <laughs> because at this point, she lives in a world with a Punisher. Yeah. Punisher season two, filming now. That's my next That's great right. hope for- Actually, no, Luke Cage season two is my next great hope for uh, the Marvel Netflix universe, because uh, believe me, it ain't Iron Fist 2. Which is also filming now. The kid who uh, played Danny Rand put up some pictures on the Intertrons. It's because he needs this. He does. <laughs> After Iron Fist. He does. He's like, <laughs> he, he's, he's like Gary Coleman. He'll never get away from this. No. No. I left Game of Thrones for this? <laughs> <sighs> Oh God! All right, so yeah, just going through my uh, through my notes on various relationships here, families that have gone wrong. Sure. Poor Malcolm, who's looking for a family wherever he can fucking find it. Malcolm, no, the no former matter, addict. <laughs> no matter what he has to do, he sticks by Jessica. Yeah. Know, through 
the end of season two, uh, season one rather, through most of this. Chang makes, uh, when Chang, one of his many strategies to, to take Jessica out is, all right, then maybe I'll just hire away all of her workers, which is basically Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. And, and tries to entice him by, don't you want to be doing something that's going to make your father happy? So it, it, we don't really find out anything about his father other than now there's an added layer of his dad might be somebody. Yeah. Which um, at the end when he cleans up. In- Please make his father Shang-Chi. <laughs> we can just pretend Iron Fist never happened to bring Shang-Chi in. Malcolm's dad? Yeah, Malcolm's not Asian in any way, but that's okay. Danny Rand isn't either. <laughs> okay. Oh, but... It- he puts on this really great suit when he decides that he's had enough of everybody's shit and he's going to go out on his own, implying that there's some money there. Possibly. And that he's just sort of been slumming it because he's been trying to do shit on his own. The, there's a possibility there. What I, what I took that more was of this poor bastard is so desperate to belong anywhere. He literally changes himself. He puts on the nice suit. He cuts his hair off and yes. becomes whoever he has to be to get somebody to accept him. And it might be his only suit. It might be like Marge Simpson in that Chanel suit, like just keeps changing it in little ways because <laughs> it's the only suit he has. Exactly. <laughs> it could be. You never know. It's where you can pick up at Goodwill. I don't go in there. I don't either. I have a job and shit to do. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to spend the money to have something dry cleaned anyway because that's the only way I'd be wearing something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so he... he Sticks by Jessica until he sticks by Trish because Trish fucked him, even though he knows she's toxic to him. Yeah, and he's she also been throwing drugs. Yeah, he's also been throwing himself down a rabbit hole of of girl after girl after girl on Tinder. Yeah, anybody who'll swipe right is yeah, it swipe right? I, I think so. Swipe right, the good one. Yes, I think so. <laughs> anybody who'll do it, he's banging. And uh, yeah, it tries to be loyal to Jerry. And as soon as she turns her back on him, it's like, okay, Chang, the guy who literally tried to kill Jessica, Jessica, who he would never turn his back on just six episodes ago. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck everybody in my family and my extended attempted making of a family. Fuck it. I'm going to go to this guy. (laughs) Yeah. So he's fucked over half the people he knows while moving on to the next one because hopefully this is the person who'll love me for me. He demonstrates, in recovery as an addict, he demonstrates this weird codependence with others, which suggests there probably was a pattern of this that he was around in his own household. It's possible. Again, family, nature versus nurture shit, and and the hint of who his dad might be. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's possible. All I know is... He's alienated everybody except his boss's former enemy who he now works for. Yes. He's been so far down a Tinder rabbit hole as Dick's spots have spots. And thank God for that because that's how Jessica, demonstrating her PI skills this season, is able to triangulate his position using his phone by calling all of his past hookups on Tinder so that she can get a sense of how far his phone is away from any of them so that when Trish making the good choices, knocks him senseless and throws him in a trunk so she won't interfere with her attempt. He won't interfere with her attempt to kidnap Carl so that she can be genetically (laughs) experimented upon because it's all about me. Um, This show is so stupid. (laughs) Jessica is able to to use those hookups and, and ping his phone to find out where he is and triangulate in on his position in the trunk. Saved by Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> we spent an hour and 17 minutes 
and it just realized the show's dumb. <laughs> Convoluted. Convoluted. It's, it's got a lot going on, but it's murder plots and superhero powers. Yeah. No wonder my dad's ashamed of me. <laughs> Thinks you live on a park bench, <laughs> uh, pretty much. <laughs> much like Uber does. Yeah. Oh God. So yeah, poor Malcolm. <laughs> but the third double cross, he should be going. Now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. Just well, turn back to the drugs, buddy. Well, because he keeps talking such a good game. I understand addict behavior. I know an addict when I see it. But yeah, you, yet you're still engaging in all of these other patterns of behavior that suggest that. It, Something about the addict behavior is still rewarding to you on some level because of this codependence you have with others. Yeah. it's <laughs> They say you trade one addiction for another. Yeah. And yeah, he's sort of a case in point. And yeah, just winds up with, I say winds up with nothing. He's got a good job. Yeah. At the end of it, he, he also is in a position seemingly that is to his benefit. But it, it meant, yeah, burning down all of his prior relationships to get there. Yeah. Oh, we already talked about uh, Trish and Jessica and uh, Trish's mom. Jessica and Sterling, another let me invent a family that ultimately is toxic and almost drives her down a road toward murder for hire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, Sterling was the dude that uh, picked her up after Trish said, uh, get out of my apartment. Yeah, yeah. This is that, that's during the flashback when, uh, Everybody's 18 and making good choices. Uh, yeah, 18 <laughs> by way of 9021038. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Sterling. Perry, Luke Perry, 18. Yeah. Sterling, who um, yeah takes her in uh, and offers her whiskey after she's kicked out of the uh, apartment she shares with Trish, when she demonstrates her, her uh, proclivity as an earner by ripping open an ATM. <laughs> Sterling knows a main chance when he sees it. He does. It. All he wants to do is get his, his club, which would be called Alias. Huh. Dun, dun, dun. Off the ground. Um, it, he's a smart businessman. He's just trying to... <laughs> <laughs> like a boss. Like a boss. Um, and in the lowest moment of Jessica's life, she finds out after the fact that she's fucked over by both families because Trish has kicked her out of the house and the reason why Sterling ends up dead in an alley is because her mother has broken out of her confinement. And this is when she's 18 because she wants to reunite with her and, and see her. Um, even though she's been told that this is completely dangerous and she's not stable enough to do this. Of course. When she discovers that Sterling is an absolute jackass and wants to pimp her daughter out as a, a thug and, and do, you know, violence for hire, she snaps and kills Sterling while Jessica is inside the bar. <laughs> Yes, and, and this is after the mother-daughter bonding moment of a tampon passed under a stall door. Is that a thing? Um, as a dude... That's is, just a chick thing in a, in a restru- restroom. That's, okay, because as a dude, if I see a hand under the stall, I'm calling security. Yeah, it's what... It, you, you generally learn how much of any particular product you need to carry for those occasions um, after you've lived with that awfulness for some time. Sometimes, though, you are caught unawares... And you need a tampon. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it is. And then you hope for the best. I, 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 I was more shocked that the uh, feminine hygiene dispenser 
in the the restroom was actually stocked. In the so dive bar. Yeah, yeah. it's because it's usually bullshit. Like even in like a, a high school girls' bathroom, it's there. There's nothing in it. <laughs> you go then you you find yourself in in the nurse's office. <laughs> I don't want to work. I don't want to work blue because I'm normally a classy guy. But <laughs> I give you credit because if I got a dork bleed once a month, I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> you just learn to live with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all you can do. <laughs> Founder Centennial IPA, everybody. <laughs> the show's gone off the rails. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, okay. My family's kicked me out. I will make my own family. And immediately turns to yeah, petty crime and busting open fucking storefronts. Yeah. The theme of this whole thing is families are no fucking good. Have I missed any families? I think we've gotten most of them. Well, even the one seemingly good family that has their shit together, and we don't know because we only see them briefly in a car. They get they get into a car accident. <laughs> Which family? The, the, when Jessica and her mother are trying to get to Canada, and they they pass by that family that's singing in their blue sedan or whatever the hell it is, and they they just look so happy. And then like later on down the road, they encounter them ha- as having been victims of an awful collision with a truck <laughs> and that family jeffrey dahmer's family <laughs> if we're gonna stick with the theme i have no idea so yeah if nothing works out well for families in this nothing yeah i mean her own memories get fucked over by her mom uh and, and that's why i was saying this would be a good lead-in for defender season two because if all these surrogate families failed, she's got this one group of three, four other people she's at least worked with and worked with effectively. Yes. And that's how you build a super team. Yes. You know, in a way that they couldn't even do with Avengers because everybody gets their movie and they all get thrown together and have to learn to work together. Well, they just sort of came together, did their thing, dispersed, and okay, here's the first post-Defenders series where, all right, maybe we give everybody a reason to get back together. Yes. So hopefully Kristen Ritter's just throwing a double blind because she seems like a smart person. Uh, I would think she'd have read a contract. One would think. (laughs) Trust me, no matter what she thinks, if they want Defenders season two, it gonna happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. But we have to go further with this because, yeah, again, in the comics, the two precipitating events that bring Jessica out of the cold of just being a broken, drunken drifter sort of is meeting Luke Cage. Yes. And having a kid with Luke Cage. Yes. With getting ass fucked by Luke Cage in there someplace. That's in there <laughs> no, that, are, that already happened uh, in, in season one. Yeah, I don't think I want to... Well, all right. So fine, we got it out of the way. Now we can have the uh, actual relationship. And, yeah. Uh, but then again, I'm not sure I want to see that in the TV show. Because this version of Jessica Jones by Kristen is, she's the best reason to watch this. She's completely believable as just a a drunken scumbag who will just tap your head against the wall if you give her any shit. It's like, no, no, you don't get to talk to me that way. Boink. Yeah. And they fall down and Rob laugh and <laughs> drink another Founders. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean... Jessica Jones in Marvel until the TV show became a hit and they sort of broke up that relationship so that he could do another series with Michael Gatos on art. Yeah. Had really settled into, I mean, she was a a mother in Avengers Mansion. Yeah. The character really evolved and that was really cool in the comics. And I don't want my characters necessarily in the movies or the TV shows to remain static, but 
it's so fucking satisfying to, again, representation matters. <laughs> yeah, you can go through life drunk. You could just got to want it and learn how to keep your shit together. Yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> I mean. No, I'm not peeing blood. You are. <laughs> Am I? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Anything else that, I mean, that covered all my notes about weird, twisted families. Uh, again, it's. Well, I, I give credit to a TV show to be bold enough to say, you know what? No matter what family you have, they will probably let you down and in many ways make your life miserable. <laughs> unless you find the right one and find a way to work together. Yes. Um, like I said, the one positive potential takeaway is that Jessica has learned a certain level of introspection or given herself a certain amount of introspection where she's learned about herself and what she has been doing wrong to a certain degree, not that she's going to magically fix it and make it better to, to connect with others and have relationships. So that evolution that we talk about with Jessica via a relationship with Luke and then eventually having a child with Luke may be happening through another Avenue. And which is possible because that's, that's the direction the character has gone through in the comics and was very satisfying. Yes. Cause again, we, we read Alias from issue one. Oh yeah, <laughs> completely by accident. Because yeah, I picked I, it up because I thought it was some sort of like you know adaptation of the TV series well, that no, was on I, at the time. I think I, I picked it up for you. Yeah, at, at my local comic no, store no, no, at the no, time. no. We found it at Million Year Picnic over in Cambridge. This is one of those things. <laughs> oh God, it's 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 the cat and the bat thing. We met on a boat. We met on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, if you're a millennial, settle down. And listen to a story from your old local Rob. <laughs> If you're together long enough, certain things that were extremely clear to you when you were, say, 30, uh, you'll start to remember in different ways. See, I, I remember getting the first issue of Alias for you as a gift at the, the store local to my uh, local to my apartment in uh, southern Massachusetts uh, and seeing it and thinking, oh, it's an adaptation of the TV show Alias and being... <laughs> relentlessly embarrassed when I realized it wasn't and then saying, oh, this Bendis guy is all right. This is this is not bad. And picking up future issues after that, perhaps at Million Year Picnic in Cambridge. And at some point we picked up the, the various trades he did of, of things like torso. <laughs> yes. And jinx. Well, actually, yeah, all right. The timing on this is all fucked up because that was before you and I were together. I already had those. Right. So you knew who Bendis was. I did know who Bendis was, yes. So I thought it was Bendis doing an adaptation. Yeah. Uh, I think the overall theme is uh, alcohol kills brain cells. And, and I thought this happened at a comic book store that was much closer to Boston. <laughs> and together. <laughs> so uh, I think the overall takeaway from this is you shouldn't listen to the show. <laughs> nice. Nice work. Rob, everybody. <laughs> yep, Rob. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> first time I've ever given myself the whole theme. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't, though. This time it wasn't. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, what? I honestly don't know what is next on the Marvel plate. I know Iron Fist 2 is filming. Yep. Uh, I know Punisher 2 is filming. Luke Cage Season 2, I think, is probably has to be next. I think so. Because I'm not even sure if they're filming Defender Season 3. I don't know about that. Um, 
the we've already had season two of Daredevil, so that's not going to season three won't come out until all of the other season twos have come out. Uh, maybe, probably, probably at this point, yeah. <laughs> Daredevil got the foot in the door, and now Charlie Cox and spend his time at conventions. Yeah. <laughs> I think, he, I think he has been at every convention we've gone to in the last two years. He just wakes up and looks around his hotel room. This is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even recognize myself. <laughs> Join the club. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, uh, is today the day? <laughs> uh, anything else about Jessica Jones? No, I mean, it, was, two? it wasn't as good as the first season, but there was, there's still a lot to like in there and uh, a lot of Patsy to dislike. Yeah, oh, fuck Patsy Walker. Fuck her and her stupid brain-damaged head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, ultimately, it almost had to disappoint. Jessica Jones season one was the first uh, non-Daredevil. You know, Daredevil wound up being pretty solid and mm. good, and Jessica Jones wound up being on really an order of magnitude better than the first season of Daredevil. Yeah. And it hit on three or four different levels, and it's really hard to duplicate that. This Clearly, we've established they had ambitions for this season, and they did pretty well with it. The problem is, to do that, they had to make certain characters unlikable, yeah. and characters that you like betray each other, which is legitimately dramatic. It's a little weird for a superhero story, and maybe that's why it feels a little off, even though, no, that's probably good writing. People like this would not necessarily just stay together and move on to the future. Right. So I liked it. I think the more we've talked about it, I like it a little more. Season one, I still like best. And I think season one of Jessica Jones probably is still my favorite of all. These I, I agree. I agree. All right. Anything else? No. I, pardon me. I, uh, I think we've, we've covered this fairly extensively. All right. Someday we'll talk about comics again. But with the way our lives have been, <laughs> I haven't been able to get comics on time in the last month. Yeah. So this... A uh, storm that we're currently going through is uh, slated to continue on through the night tonight and possibly into tomorrow. So maybe I'll get <laughs> comics this weekend. So. All right, so we wrap it up? Yes, I want to go see if we uh, have hit the two foot of snow mark. Because, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> yeah, we were at a foot a couple hours ago. Okay. So don't know where you found this particular episode uh, of this uh, occasional podcast, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. <laughs> Uh, we are on Facebook. You can send us a message, uh, facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Uh, I got that right, right? You can nod. Amanda's in a coughing fit. Um, only because I vape constantly down here. Uh, what else? Uh, we're on Tumblr, but don't bother. Rob, this uh, isn't how we play Can't Breathe. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Uh, we're on Tumblr, uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We're on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us there. If you get a minute, give us a rating, give us a review. Please, it helps new people find the show. We are on, uh, we're on TuneIn Radio. We're on uh, Google Play Network. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that is everything. I think that is. All right. This has been episode 173 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. I have to pee. <laughs>